0: Hello, listeners. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is Bookin', brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Kate DiCamillo, a two-time Newbery medalist and the former National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. Her latest novel is Beverly Right Here, which is published by our friends at Candlewick Press. Kate, welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you for talking with me.
0: Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. And Kate, my first question for you is about your position. I won't say former position because I believe you are still fulfilling the mission of the title of ambassador for young people's literature. What did that title mean to you?
1: Uh, it was it it, it was this huge great good gift doing that and it's so kind of you to say that I still um and fulfilling the mission that's that's lovely the, the thing is that when uh, when you sign up to do that or when you're you know selected to do that then you have to have a platform and so uh, my my platform my message was stories connect us and for me one of the most moving things about the two years that I spent doing that was I, I went out taking that message out. Um, and to the far-flung places where you don't normally go on book tour and uh, what I realized like um, more than halfway through it was that the message was getting delivered back to me because I would like stand in a room full of people and you know uh at a library in Alaska or at a community center in Miami and um, talk about books and, um, and reading aloud and how it mattered to me and, um, and how it made everybody feel together in a room. And then that those people welcomed me in. So it was just, um, again and again, I got to connect to people through, through story. Even as I was delivering that message of hopefully, look, you can do this, you can connect through story. I got to connect to all those readers through story.
0: Thank you so much, Kate. And I read this book, Beverly, right here, and my first thought was I am so thankful that there is someone out there in the world writing these stories for young people. Um, Before we get into the specifics of this book, I want to ask you why you think it is important to present these stories of young people who are thrust into difficult and dangerous situations, uh, where they are forced into the cusp of adulthood. Why do you think it is important to present these stories about young people to young people?
1: Um, I, I, get you know, it's, um, it's the very first book that I wrote was because of Win dixie and from the beginning there was, um, kind of this, uh, w- whether or not these hard things, because in Winn-Dixie there's, um, parental abandonment, um, and, um, other difficult issues and so from the very beginning of me doing this there's been this that question that is um why why have these hard things in a in a book for kids and to me it has always seemed maddeningly simple because kids live in the same world that we do and um and experience um all the terror and beauty of this world and So the stories, it seems to me, need to uh, acknowledge the truth of where we are. And also, it's it's that great thing that E.B. White does probably better than anybody else, where you tell the truth and you make the truth bearable. And so that's what I'm always trying to do. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Thank you so much. And we were speaking about this a little bit earlier before we pressed record. Uh, Ann Patchett was recently here as a part of the North Carolina Book Festival and Quill Ridge Books, Arts and Lecture Series, and she said she read one of your books and then proceeded to read all of the rest (laughs) of them immediately, Uh, which is to say that your books are very much for adults as well. This question is twofold. Do you have anything you would like to say in response to Ann And, what do you think of the differentiation, especially in the case of books like yours, of literature into kids' literature and adult literature?
1: Well, Anne, here's my message for Anne. Um, you've long been my literary hero, and it is a great thrill to not only have you read what I write, but to to get to be friends with you. So there's my message for Anne. Anne, I wonder if you're listening to this. And then children's literature versus adults' literature. I, I've, got a, uh, I've got all my answers are long. So when I – we were talking about this before – Uh, we hit record too. when I when I moved I grew up in Central Florida when I moved to uh, Minnesota where I live now to Minneapolis I got a job in a book warehouse a book distributor that served the whole upper Midwest and I uh, went into that job I had just started to write and um, I was writing uh, short stories uh, and sending them to literary magazines and um, when i went into the the job at the book warehouse i was assigned to the third floor which was all children's books and i had the bias that many adult serious adult readers have oh you know children's books that's like you know duckies and bunnies right and so it took a long time on that floor for me to start reading the books that i was picking off the shelves and i started with um one of the very first ones was um, christopher paul curtis's the watsons go to birmingham 1963 and um i i was so taken with um that that very thing that we were talking about earlier where it tells the truth and it makes the truth bearable Um, and I I thought I want to try and do something like this all of that is to say that I think um, that those lines this is adult literature this is literature for children um, it, it goes to like Charlotte's Web I always say is one of the best books for people and so you know We necessarily categorize things often, but I think there are a lot of adult readers who would uh, find um, what they need in, in books for kids. So I certainly did.
0: Thank you, Kate. Um, let's now talk about Beverly right here. Uh, this is not the first time that we have seen this character. Beverly Topinski, is it?
1: You no. Know, um, she showed up. So, I, the I, I wrote Ramey Nightingale. And um, I started that book um, thinking that I was going to write, like, a kind of a, f- a funny book about an inept child who... Um, is exactly the kind of kid who should not be in a beauty contest, but yet somehow ends up in one, i.e. me, when I was eight years old. Um, and I thought, okay, it's going to be, you know, just kind of a funny madcap book. And I I started it, and it became something else almost immediately. And then the other thing that happened was I had this character, Raimi, and then these other two characters showed up, like, totally un- announced and surprised me and one of them was louisiana elefante the other was beverly topinski so these three girls become friends and i wrote ramey nightingale and i have never um, done this before but like i went back because louisiana's voice kept on speaking to me and then i knew that i had to even though Beverly wouldn't want a book written about her I had to write a book about her
0: Thank you. And this novel, Beverly Right Here, opens with Beverly Topinski dealing with the death of her dog, Buddy. Uh, the death of a dog would likely be devastating to many 14 year olds, but the death of this dog is particularly devastating to Beverly. I'm hoping that you can talk to us about Beverly's family circumstances and why that may have made the death of her dog so gut wrenching.
1: Yeah, that dog, um, who that dog shows up in ramey nightingale the the three of them rescue that dog together from um the animal friendly center as louisiana calls it um even though it's anything but um and so it, the dog has resonance because it's it's also a, that dog um, they they bond together, and the dog is, in, in, a, in a strange way, a symbol of that. But also, um, Beverly's home life is um, not good. Her mother is um, an ex-beauty queen who uh, wants Beverly to be a beauty queen, and boy, that is not going to happen. Um, she is uh, just fundamentally opposed to that. And her mother drinks too much, and her father... Uh, has left, the family left a long time ago, so it's not easy.
0: Thank you so much, Kate. Listeners, we are going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Kate DiCamillo. The book and podcast is sponsored by Libro FM audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story. One that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to LibroFM, that's L I B R O.FM, and enter Bookin, B O O K I N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Kate DiCamillo, the author of Beverly, right here, published by our friends at Candlewick Press. Kate, after burying her dog, Buddy, Beverly hops in a car with 19-year-old chain smoker Joe Travis and runs away from home. This book is set in 1979. How do you think running away from home as a 14-year-old is different in 1979 than it would be presently in 2020?
1: Well, the most obvious answer is cell phones because, you know, a lot of this book um, centers around a, a phone, a payphone booth, um, which I, it's funny because to me, um, I can, you know, I, I'm 55. I've stood in a lot of payphone booths all over the world and they're very evocative to me. But I And I have to not think, wow, I hope kids know what a phone booth is you know and they must but yeah so that's one thing it's just like it was easier to just go right mm-hmm. um and also um and a, you know and i've talked with other people my age about this it's just like there's a lot more freedom in general than not only when you were 14 and running away but um you know we would come home from school and change into our play clothes and disappear until, you know, dusk and no one ever asked where we went. So how kids get raised is, has changed considerably.
0: Yeah, if nothing else, kids know about phone booths through uh, Doctor Who, I think. Oh, right,
1: and as I was saying that, I thought about Superman and, of course, Doctor Who. Yeah. There you
0: go. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Next, I want to talk about Mr. C's, a seafood restaurant that Beverly walks into (laughs) upon landing in the town of Tamaray Beach, Florida. And she asks for a job here. Can you tell us not only about Mr. C's, but how you painted this town using the story's central locations, a seafood restaurant, a trailer park, a VFW hall, and a convenience shop
1: uh it's so much it was it's um it was so much fun to do that because it's like recreating kind of where I grew up I grew up in central Florida so it wasn't right on the coast but um and this is on the coast but it is I can close my eyes and walk through um all of those places and um, in my mind um, and in my heart so it was just kind of like a delight to be able to to do that to imagine the VFW hall which I remember so clearly from when I was a kid the wooden floors and just it's um it was like a way to like in the in the lit up VFW sign which also like kind of haunts me so it was a way to like pay homage to those. Um, those wonderful hallmarks of my youth, so.
0: Thank you. Next, I want to ask you about Mr. Denby, <laughs> who runs Mr. C's. Mr. Denby seems to be estranged from his family. He keeps a worn photograph of his ex-wife and daughters in a safe in his office. How does your portrayal of Mr. Denby highlight your portrayal of Beverly's parents?
1: Well, now I feel like I've... um. Doing literary criticism, which I'm really lousy at, <laughs> um, but but sure, yeah. So Beverly finds this picture in the safe of the whole Demby family um, at Christmas time, and it's all of them there together, and they look so happy. Um, and it kind of breaks her heart to look at it. And then she realizes later on that um, you know he's not living with his. Uh, with the mother of his children or with his children, and um yeah it it gives her this this like she she thinks everything is a lie, but she also finds out that everything isn't a lie because I'm guessing you're probably going to get to Elmer um who yeah, so we'll talk about Elmer in a minute because he's he's the compass towards the truth and towards who she is too. He helps her see herself, I think
0: mm mm-hmm and along those same lines i want to talk about iola jenkins who is an older lady who lives alone in a trailer that waved at beverly as she walked by she ends up taking beverly in for a few days feeding her and housing her in exchange for beverly illegally driving her to the grocery store and various social events uh, bingo and a dance at the BFW hall how does iola differ from beverly's mother and alluding to an earlier question does this type of reluctantly trustful arrangement happen in 2020 in the same way that it happens here in this novel in
1: 1979? Huh. Well, I'll take the easy one first. It probably doesn't happen as easily now as it did in 1979. I would think it still happens and. Um, the the beautiful thing about Iola is that um, it's kind of, I was alluding to Elmer, and I know we're going to get to him, but Iola also sees Beverly, and so much of Beverly's challenge, because she is very, um, she's got a hard shell, but she's very tender-hearted, and she's able to love. But I think so much of, of this book is about learning to let herself be loved and iola is just uh just loves her you know she sees her very clearly and she loves her and it's the first step towards her like really seeing herself is is iola loving her Mm
0: Thank you. And finally, uh, and this will be the question where we can talk about Elmer. Um, Can you talk about the push-pull of running away from home as a 14-year-old? Beverly, in the beginning of the novel, says she isn't running away this time. She is leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one gets the sense that she might have thought this during past attempts as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do these desires that Beverly is experiencing as a 14-year-old, the desire to leave home for good, and then the desire ultimately to return, do these ever leave us? And I guess we can talk about Elmer Here in um the event that he pulls her towards uh, tamaray beach but also kind of pushes her back towards home
1: yeah he pulls her towards tamaray beach he pushes her back towards home and he also lets her know that there's the whole world out there and that it's accessible to her if she chooses to to make it so um he's um He's a beautiful human being. Elmer is, and he's going off to Dartmouth on a, a a scholarship, early early entry. And so he's he's leaving Florida. He's going to Dartmouth. He loves art, and there's they meet when she walks into the convenience store where he works, and uh, he's uh, up at the counter reading a book, um, and it's got. Blue wings on it, and um, there's something about those blue wings that kind of knocks uh, Beverly sideways. Um, and they also, I think, and this is one of those things where I'm not good about talking about what's going, what what the deeper meaning of a story is. Um, I did an event last night where a little kid stood up and said, "What's the meaning of winn Dixie?" And I'm like, "Wow, you're asking the wrong person." Um, but but I think that um, there's a lot of wings in, in this book, and I've had uh, an interviewer point that out to me, and it's like, my goodness, you're right. And so, so much of it is about Beverly um, feeling those wings of hers unfurl. So yeah, she can go back home, and she will go back home, but she can also go go away from home and and have this big life, which I think that she probably will ultimately
0: thank you so much Kate and thank you for writing this wonderful novel
1: oh is it is it wonderful I believe it is <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I've got you in a small room and it's just you and me so you're gonna have to lie to me oh yeah. I don't
0: have to <laughs> um, listeners I've been speaking with Kate DiCamillo author of Beverly right here published by our friends at Candlewick Press Kate thank you so much for oh, joining it me it
1: was an absolute pleasure thank you
0: once again, I would like to thank Kate DiCamillo for joining me. Signed copies of Beverly right here can be purchased in store at Quail Ridge Books and online at www.quailridgebooks.com while supplies last. The North Carolina Book Festival is February 21st through 23rd in Raleigh, North Carolina, featuring all of your local, national, and international best selling and award winning authors. More information can be found at www.ncbookfestival.com. My name is Jason Jeffries and this has been Booking.